The idea of not perishing and instead having eternal life? That really is music to our ears, as we'll see next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. John 3.16, music to our ears, to say the least. One of the most recognized Bible verses in all of history, I think. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That really is the sweetest music this side of heaven, as we're finding out. Hi, and welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're back in John once again today as we continue our series, Life Forever in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's program. Sometimes we think the cross is saying this, you were worth that much, us. I I think that's the wrong emphasis. It's God loved that much. If you don't see yourself as an enemy of God, And in need of the love of God, Satan is blinding you. God has loved you at the cross, and he never needs to defend loving you another time. And you go the rest of your life, you don't love me. You didn't give me my car. You didn't give me the girl I wanted. You didn't do, and we do all this. You're blind to the cross. If God did nothing else but the cross, he has loved you. The cross is enough. It says it all. Oh, you sound man. What's wrong with the tape? Some just come up here just straight. As if a piece of tape keeps falling, bugs me. You don't preach any better than me. You want all the help you can get. God so loved. There's the cause of our salvation. The cost. He gave his only son. The condition. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The only condition he gives in John for eternal life is believing. Now, I I think next week we're going to do a little study on what is saving faith. Uh, Demons have faith. False professors have faith. Many people that go to hell have faith. So there must be more to this believing than what we say. Well, I I believe. What do you mean you believe? Well, I I, I agree to the facts. John Murray says that believing in John's gospel is tricky because remember, you read, and many who believed went back and followed him no more in the gospel of John. Many who believed, you'll read it in the narrative, they went back and followed. Wait, you mean they lost their salvation? Now, they, they believed the miracle. They believed the fact. Uh, they were attracted to Christ. He'd get 5,000 together to give them a free lunch. Believe facts. You see, you can't go to heaven by just believing facts. You can't. Uh, did you know the devil? The devil himself was a witness to the resurrection. And according to Colossians, they saw Christ as he ascended, and he stripped principalities and powers as he passed through the heavens back to the third heaven and he just pointed his finger to angelic powers. See, you didn't keep the seed of the woman from bruising your head on his way back. And he reconciled all things in the heavens. Colossians 1. They believe 
They saw, they had empirical evidence. They saw the tomb was empty. Even when he was on the earth, there's no demons that are atheist. That's up for Richard Dawkins. He's got to get his atheistic brother worse off than a demon. Demons said, please don't torture us before our time. Please don't cast us out. And in the synagogue, one man yelled out, thou art the Christ. He said, be quiet. It's not my time. You're going to get me killed too soon. Be quiet. That's for later revelation. Hold off. Demons know who he is. Hogs know who he is. As the demons drove them down a mountainside. Oh, what is the faith that saves? Well, I, I believe. Uh, how many of you have always believed that Jesus died? Well, that's pretty good. I mean, you, you teach at Cal and believe that. That's a historical fact. Josephus believed it. Many Jews believe I mean, come on. It's a fact. You may not believe the philosophically what it accomplished, but he did die. Fact. Unless you just don't buy any history. You invent yours. Get some mushrooms or LSD and you can invent history. Whether you believe it or not, whether you know it's saving effects. But this faith, John's going to spend much of the book telling us what saving faith looks like. And I want to develop that more next week. But the word really means to uh, abandon trust in oneself and commit all trust in Christ. I, I will no longer trust. And the word, uh, he, hear me, I've got to give you this word here. You believe into the name of Jesus. And, and it's uh, the way it's originally said, you believe not facts per se, you believe into a person. He uses a little preposition that believe into the name so that is Paul's phrase, you're in Christ. Well, in John, he says, you believe in the name. I believe in a person. Only a person saves, not just facts about the person. You miss it. Now, sure, we believe he died. He buried, rose again. Yeah. I can't tell you how many kids grew up in this church that know that, think they're going to heaven, and they're not going to heaven. They just learned that at Bethel Academy or some other Christian school. They, they grew up with it around a Christian home, but they're not saved because they've never believed into a person abandoning all hope that I have a righteousness of my own, that I can save myself. I'm telling you, whoever you are, you may have said, I believe. You may have been touched at various times, and you, you may have wept. You, you may have come forward in a meeting, and it never took. You were moved, you were touched, but you've got to say, I must believe in this person that he is the way to eternal life, and it's a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, that I'm putting my faith in, and I'm abandoning all confidence in religion, my self-effort, my strength, my background. He, this person, is the only one that can save me, only Christ. That is what saving faith will reduce you to. So the condition is believing. The consequences of believing, the consequences of our salvation, is you shall not perish, 
but you shall have eternal life. So, the cause of it, the Father's love. Now, by the way, I like to say this. John 3.16 didn't say the Son loves you. It said the Father loves you. We always give the Son the credit for loving us. No, the Father sent the Son. For God the Father so loved the world. We've got this picture, this mean old God in the Old Testament. We'll call him Father or Yahweh or Adonai or we can't even spell the word, so we don't use him too much. But he's something back there, but he's mean. He's kind of hard on folks, brought the flood and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Hey, this is the same God that loves the world in John 3, 16. God the Father loved you so much that he gave up his most precious relational possession, his own son of whom he had fellowship with from eternity. That's what it cost him. And it's what he was willing to give for his enemies. The condition for getting this son is just to believe in him. And it sounds so easy. That's why I'll try to revisit it. And the consequences is you won't perish, but you'll get eternal life. It's simple, isn't it? It's the simplest. That's why John 3.16 has saved thousands of people, millions maybe. Been on rescue missions all over this country. Even Tebow's winning games on it. You didn't know I was that current, did you? Look at the youth guys. Yeah, I'm current, really. I'm totally into wherever I am at that moment. I forgot everything else. But notice the problem. Whoever believes in him, well, let me, verse, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You know why he didn't send the son to condemn the world? He found them already condemned. See, it'd be like, I did not send my son to make you sick. I found you sick. What is this? I want to cast the demon out of it. I'm telling you. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Does that sound like Romans 8.1? If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. If you're believing in Christ, God, and the word condemn means to find a basis of guilt against you. There will be no guilt against you. See, to be condemned is to be liable to a penalty because you're guilty. Not condemned, not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now watch this. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love the darkness rather than the light because there was not enough empirical evidence, or there wasn't enough apologetics. That, uh, we didn't have enough PhDs debating a one-world view. No, 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 no. Men don't come to God, not because there's not enough evidence, because they're morally perverse. They'd rather die in their darkness than to come to the light because they don't want to give up their sins. You'll go to hell for that choice. I see the light, but I don't want, I don't want it to expose what I'm doing. Well, I, I want to go to heaven, okay, but I don't want God messing with my sins, so I must stay away from the light. I'll stay away from the light. I want to go away from the light. 
And hell is ultimate darkness. It is the choice of those who flee the light. God will give you hell, for there will be no light. It's a moral choice. It's not a lack of evidence. It's not a lack of in. It's you inside. I don't want to come to Christ because I don't want to give up my sins. And I'm willing to go to hell for the choice. That's what he says. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light. And John 1 says Christ is the light. And does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. It's interesting that those of us who choose to come to the light and to do the truth, we cannot proudly and arrogantly walk about we're carrying out what God's energized us to do. If you want to come to the light, God will give you the strength and the energy to overcome all the sins that bind you, overcome all the darkness that blinds you. Do you want to come to the light, or do you want to choose the darkness? And that's what's so scary about standing before Christ at last, having never truly left your sins and come to Christ, and for him to judge you, the one you rejected, the one who died in your place, he will be the judge, according to John 5 and Revelation 20. It's the Son that judges all mankind. And why are you before me? Number one, you never chose to come to me. Two, let me list you the sins you chose over me, the Son of God. Let me tell you all the... Uh, the manure of the barnyard you chose over the king of kings. All of the darkness, all of the evil, all of the stuff that you chose, you made a choice. You had a king, you had the father's love, and oh, how wicked the human heart is, and how hostile the world. No, I'll just keep my sins, my loneliness, my pain, my isolation. I'd rather go to hell than to admit I'd need to come to the light. It's what's so tragic about a human life. Sin is a terrible taskmaster, even when you're out there. Oh, you're not in church, but it makes you miserable, doesn't it? Do you think the world's happy? What if the 49ers lose today? <laughs> Going to be a lot of drugs tonight going to be a lot of booze, going to be a lot of blues, because some people, their world rides on a game a year. Just think if you were a sports addict, to watch men getting 27 to $40 million a year, dribbling, catching, fumbling balls, and that's your entertainment. Nothing wrong with it. If I find someone feed me at three, I'm going to swatch it with them. So I'm bumming off of my kids. Nothing wrong with that. But I think when it's your world, it's your world. Oh, man, we're going to the casino. Woo, I meet you at Reno. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, man, you know, we got to pull slots. That's so much fun. I've watched them. I lost about, no, I've watched them, but you know, just, <laughs> 
that's entertaining to you? I mean, you know, everybody's got something. That, that, that's what you're really into. Yeah. How much you lose? Well, I'll expect to lose a little bit. Oh, you're heavy into drinking. Yeah. How's it helped your marriage? Do your kids know you? Sin is terrible. It's terrible if there was no God. Sin is terrible. And God comes in Jesus and says, I'm offering you a brand new life. I'm offering you light. I'm offering you the way out. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. In 19, um, let's see, April of 1998, Tim Valstrom emailed me this story. It's said to be true. And uh, let me see if I can paraphrase it for you and simplify the issue. I've used it a couple of times. But see, you can reuse things if you've been in the pulpit 40 years. You never got it the last time I said it, right? Uh, the story goes that years ago, there was a wealthy man who had one son. He was a widower. And uh, in his wealth, he became an expert in collecting uh, precious art and taught his son to do so. And they would go all over the world buying exquisite art. Uh, Monet, Van Gogh. I mean, they were, they were high dollar uh, art collectors. World War I or two came along, and somehow or another, this boy got recruited, and uh, uh, word came to the dad that the boy was missing in action. A few weeks later, it was confirmed that he was killed in action, took a bullet to the heart, and uh, it was a heroic story of trying to rescue a man, bring him back to the trenches, but the boy was killed. Distraught and lonely, the father at Christmas time just sat in his den and looked at all this beautiful art that he ha had collected and was lamenting and grieving that he lost his wife and now had lost his only son and was in great grief. Around that time, a, a knock came at the door, and uh, when he went to the door, there was a young soldier there with a package under his arm, and he invited him in. And... Uh, uh, the young man began to tell the father about his son. He said, your son was heroic. He rescued many men in the line of fire. He was an outstanding young man. And he said, uh, and I, I heard about your love of art. And he said, I happen to be an artist myself. And uh, he said, I brought this for you. And so they took off the wrapping. And what was it? But this young soldier had drawn a portrait of the man's son. Well, it wasn't world-class art at all. But at least it was a clear image of what the boy looked like. And the dad was impressed that he, he at least picked up his son's likeness. And so they talked a while, and uh, the boy left. After a while, uh, the dad was so captured by that picture and that memory of his son that he put it over the fireplace mantle. And that was, became his favorite piece, and he watched it all the time. In the spring, he came down ill and uh, died. And the message got out 
that this great art collector had died. There was going to be an auction on Christmas Day. And uh, all of this precious art that art dealers and collectors all over the world had wanted to buy, they wanted to be there for this. So they show up on this Christmas Day for the auction. And uh, the first thing put up to be sold was this soldier's portrait of the man that had died of his son. And some of the men, they got said, wait, wait, why put this trash before us? We didn't come here to buy a portrait of the man's kid. And uh, get rid, when are you going to bring on the good stuff? And so there was an uproar in the auction house. And the auctioneer said, wait, wait, in the will, it says this piece goes first. This piece goes first. So from the back of the room, all of a sudden, there was a bid. $10. He said, I knew the, the man that lost his son. I knew the boy. I've only got $10 on me I, that I, in cash. I'll give you 10 bucks for it so we can get on with the auction. And as soon as he bought the portrait, at that time the auctioneer said, this auction's over. They begin to roar and get upset. So wait, wait, we didn't, what, what do you mean it's over? He says, it says in this man's will, it's very simple. Whoever takes the son gets the rest. And so uh, C.S. Lewis said it this way. Take Jesus Christ and God will throw heaven in free. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Take the son and he'll save you. And um, with that, I... Must keep going. We've got worship team coming. We put in the bulletin because you've requested it, a financial charting. Don't get depressed as we do sometimes because uh, I thought, wow, we eat by through 11. God blessed. It was a marvelous year. And guess what? We start all over. And uh, we do not uh, meet to take offerings, but we desperately need God's help. And I pray as you see that financial thing, if you would pray, if you would pray with us. Uh, I mean that. Pray. If you don't have it, pray uh, that uh, you can reach in the purse of someone next to you and, and, or something. But just pray God will provide it and let's keep it before the throne of grace. Our God will supply just like he's done for 40 years. Fathers, we thank you for the privilege of giving as worship. We want to give in response, nothing like the cross, nothing like Abraham and Isaac, money. We're going to leave it all. We're going to leave it all behind. And I think of all the things that get done with money, how little of this world's money ever goes for the gospel. Help us as your children, quickly running to the celestial city, let us not be enslaved to greed, money, and more for me, but teach us to be givers in honor of the cross and the love of God. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Life forever in Jesus Christ. 
That's the title of our series here in the book of John. And we trust our time together today has encouraged you in Christ as we work our way through this wonderful gospel. It is our hope and prayer that chapter 20 and verse 31 will come to bear on your own heart and mind, that you understand why John wrote what he wrote for the purpose of believing and having life eternal in Christ. To review a copy of today's program or to obtain the entire series, we would ask you to get in touch with us here at Truth For Today, and there are a couple of ways to do so. You can call us at 855-833-9864, or you can stop by our website, valleybible.org, and take advantage of the resource materials that we have posted there as well. You're also welcome to write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, the zip code 94547. And as always, your gifts make a great difference here at the ministry. No matter how large or how small, your financial contributions to this ministry allow us to continue presenting the gospel here on KFAX. As a TFT sustainer, we would also like to pass along your way a quarterly newsletter along with our once-a-year special gift and access to Take a Break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional that we have. Again, these are all just simple ways of saying thank you for supporting us financially, realizing that this broadcast is presented daily here on KFAX through your financial involvement as well as your prayerful support. One other note, as we close out our time together today, we would like to invite you to join us for worship here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. You can find out all of the details and directions at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. We thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure to share God's Word with you. And we look forward to the next time when we can do it again here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Phil Howard.